So, hello and welcome to another and indeed a very special episode of Nick and John is This Evangelion. Yeah. Uh, because we have just sat down on a very cold Saturday morning and watched a movie. Yeah. Not, not normally really. how I start a Saturday morning. It's not really a, a morning thing, really, watching a movie. No. So, certainly not watching this movie. <laughs> no. Uh, barrel of laughs that it is. Uh, <laughs> no, we just sat down and watched uh, Evangelion 1.11. You can not... Advance? You are not. You are not alone. Sorry, you cannot advance. Is the next one. I say it weird because there are parentheses in the middle of it. Like who knows what this means? Uh, The first movie in the rebuild of Evangelion four movie cycle. Exactly, and we chose to watch this one now because it sums up the first six episodes. Of course, the last six episodes of the show that we have just finished watching. So we wanted to do a direct comparison between those six of the TV show combined or against the uh, the rebuild and how it yes. approaches things differently. And if you're confused, then, well, this is the right podcast for you, I feel. Absolutely. Clearly you're down. a fan of Evangelion, <laughs> if, you're, if you're confused. Uh, I'm John, by the way. And I'm Nick. And uh, yeah, this is what we do. We sit down and we re-watch Evangelion. This is all we do. With uh, kind of fresh eyes, uh, untarnished uh, by childhood. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, we're trying anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously... Um, there is nostalgia. Like we still like it, despite everything. <laughs> um, but- I think uh, it's, it's only it's been a weird ride it so has. far. Yeah, I think if you've listened to our previous episodes, you would realise that we found our reactions to it in the cold light of day have been quite different to how we expected. Yeah, surprisingly so. But then equally, some of the best moments have been like better, even like I've appreciated the mm. good bits more than I think I did back in the day, and I have. Whereas I sort of ignored the bad bits or let them sort of slide away, uh, now they're worse. Yeah, <laughs> in the cold it's like some bit. stuff just doesn't fly no, anymore. It really oh, doesn't. Crying out loud, you can't. Yeah, it's like oh, we've got to go through this. Okay. <laughs> so is it worth, uh, you know, before we do our usual thing of diving into the plot, mm. which will probably go a little bit quicker than some of our well, I think it'll. I think ones. we'll probably talk a little bit more sort of in sort of scene by scene rather mm. than like literally each happening as yeah. we go through because it's obviously a hell of a lot longer. No, that's a really good point, and because but also it is a re it's a retelling of everything we've just seen. So we don't want to go through everything that you've already listened so to. So maybe we'll kind of do a vague outline of the plot, which you should already know, and we'll talk about where it's different and yeah. where it's the same and what they've changed or improved or made worse. Exactly. Or anything exactly. like that. And talk in general terms about some of the things that we've seen. And... But as, I guess as a little... Because uh, this is a milestone episode for us. We've yeah. reached the first... Safety. Everyone said we wouldn't do it, John. <laughs> we, fir- we reached the first in on the road towards <laughs> madness. Yeah. Uh, so I guess like... Evangelion's movie history has been very confusing, which I think is fitting given the so confusing matter. nature of the series. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, the original series was, I think, 24 episodes long. Yeah. They kind of ran out of money towards the end. Clearly. Uh, and then I think episodes 25 and 26 were a rather pared down version of the ending Hideako Anno always wanted to tell. Yeah. Because they just ran out of money it ended up being almost like a clip show crossed with almost half talking head slash psychological profile thing and weirdly i've never seen those episodes have you not no because oh. i went straight to end of evangelion which right. was the first movie which was a direct retelling of the last two episodes of the series correct yeah. but done on the budget but i get the impression that like anno is He's a bit like George Lucas, like he'll he'll constantly be retelling the same story and he'll never quite get it how he wanted it. Yeah. 
Or maybe he did, but then he just he's just never happy with it. Well, that's because Death and Rebirth is the retelling of the entire series, isn't it? That's another movie. Thing. Yes. Yeah. So basically, the 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 sequence of releases was the entire show, twenty four episodes, then Death and Rebirth, then End of Evangelion, and then into Rebuild. Oh, so Death and Rebirth came. Well, Death and Rebirth at least is set before End of Evangelion. I don't know whether it came out as a movie before. I might have to check my facts. On so that. I've not seen. Death and Rebirth either. Neither have I, but the only reason I haven't seen that is because I've been told that I don't need to. That will be something we watch in this podcast and but talk is it, about, I think. I mean, I guess we'll get there, but my understanding was they didn't record new stuff. They no. just kind of recut. It's like the ultimate clip show. And basically what that, again, only been only what I've told. So when we get to this point, we'll explore it along with those of you who are listening and who know and those of you who are listening and who don't know. Um, but from what I was was told by a friend who um, who was into a lot of anime, as I was when we were kids, you don't need to watch Death and Rebirth if you've watched the show, because all they do is cut it quite harshly, apparently, into a feature film. Right. Yeah. And is it the whole series? Yeah. Wow. Apparently, yeah. Because we just watched a feature-length movie, I know. which was six episodes, kind of crammed into one. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how you go about doing that. Or I don't know whether Death and Rebirth are two films on the one disc. I don't, I don't know. You yeah. know. This is actually a little bit of a mystery to me. So um, all, all I ever knew was that whether it is a recut, two films, whatever, I didn't need to see it because yeah. the story had been told to me already. I've heard that as well. Like the general consensus is it's not amazing. But we should watch it. Yeah. We, oh, no. For, for completion's sake, we absolutely, absolutely should. So then years pass, and then it is announced that the rebuild's coming. The rebuild is coming. Yeah. And it's going to be four movies retelling... Four is such an odd number. <laughs> it's going to be four movies. And our, our understanding was it was going to retell the original series. Yeah. But in a cinematic capacity. Yes. And As, I remember getting very excited about this when this was announced. With... Uh, they were going to reanimate... Original yeah. scenes. They were going to go. They were going to go back to like animatics and storyboards and everything. So so things wouldn't change in terms of how they were shot, the angles of shooting, stuff like that. But they would redraw it, yeah. re-background it, and in some cases add new scenes in. Yeah. And in other cases, take the original storyboard action, but actually CGI it. So a lot of the angels and the, the Avis themselves are now CGI models yeah. rather than two D animated. It's kind of like. It was going to be like the definitive edition kind of thing. Like, Ex- well, yeah, this was what I thought, and this is what I was dreaming. It's what for. we were led to believe. Yeah, yeah. And certainly, as we'll go into in in this um, discussion, when you watch one point one one, it feels like that's the path he's taking. Yeah, it's like this is exactly the same story, but actually told slightly better. Yes, you know, and and sort of streamlined in a few places. Some unnecessary guff is taken yeah, out. A lot of guff, and a couple of Doors extra of scenes. That's a little Evangelion <laughs> re- reference. <there. laughs> A couple of extra scenes are added in to actually clarify some things as well. Yes. Um, but that was that was really not what Hideaki Anno's plan was all about, was it? Because we'll obviously we'll we'll cover this in greater detail later in the series when we get to two point two two. Yes. But it very quickly the the kind of parity between the new movies and the series very quickly breaks down. Very quickly. Because I mean, it actually happens in this film. Because six episodes in, we were like, okay. We've now seen everything that made up the first movie, so it is a perfect time yeah. to watch 1.11 exactly. and do a comparison. But it's already harder with 2.22. In fact, impossible, I would probably say. Yes, I don't know what we're going to do when it comes to <laughs> Because point. it goes from like episode 7 pretty much to the end of the, the original series. It's uh, skipping a lot. Skips yeah. a hell of a lot. Yeah. Keep some key scenes, but I mean, what there were like sixteen angels in the original series, yeah, give or take. And in the movies, I think we only see like ultimately six or something like that. Like yeah. it really pairs it down and adds a new one. 
Huh? I have yeah. several new. I like. Uh, I know for a fact the next movie opens with a fight against an angel, which was never in the original series. Yeah, that pendulum one. So, you, uh, which has fans have called Clockiel. Because it what doesn't have a name in the actual continuity. No, because it looks a bit like a clock. It does, huh? yeah. So we've just given it a random name. I quite like it though. So we're in kind of safe territory at the moment, but things very quickly go off the rails. Yeah. So at some point we will watch two point two two. Yep. Which is an adaptation of the rest of the series, a very loose one. I mean, what we could do um, without getting into planning while on a podcast, but we could watch up until Ribbon Arms. Yes, all good um, in the series, and then we could go to two point two two because that's the final angel of two point two two. Because then, yeah, because then we get into really weird territory. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, three point three three is just completely off the rails. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Same, different planet. It's know. an entirely new story, and a lot of fan speculation as to what it means for the whole series and where it fits in, and and for well, who knows when that will be made. And what it's going to be about. Like, Anno doesn't appear to be in a massive hurry no. to make 4.44. No, I mean, he's got distracted by making Godzilla for a bit. So, so it's like, and, and after he's done with 4.44, will he even be happy? I get the feeling, no. <laughs> will he go back and do it all again? He's got the Lucas gene. <laughs> I mean, um, one thing, I, I uh, a theory I immediately thought going into 1.11 was that, and we discussed this off air, but the idea that, like, it wasn't a retelling like that kind of time when you first heard about it, I I, I thought that time had kind of recycled right, something, and right. like the characters were going through these events again. But then I had this weird random notion that people would start realizing that they were doing this all again. Because it's funny because you basically yeah. had that idea earlier than I did. Because when I started watching two point two two and the new Ava pilot appears and all that stuff that we'll eventually talk about when we get there, um, I was like, ah, this is a retelling of time or yeah. a parallel timeline or, or something like that and they're going to make reference to the fact that it's this has happened before yeah but something has changed this time but um but they don't obviously no. um but yeah so i thought that going into 2.22 not going into 1.11 and i don't know i mean there are times where you think you're on the money and then it There's and then something one. completely changed and then it just goes completely random and it almost becomes meaningless to try and predict yeah what will happen in this series uh, at this point. And we've talked about this in other episodes as well, but we're coming to the notion that like, we like it kind of in like, despite yes, what it is rather than it's mistakes. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, they are, I think they're, they're miss footings aren't yeah. they? In, in a lot of cases. Um, but, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it's really odd, isn't it? Cause it's like, maybe this is Hideaka Anno's problem. It's kind of like, we can see the shape of what we love in this. But it's kind of buried, yeah. And sometimes it's hard to kind of draw it out. And, and show I'm not it going to, to expect other people to just love it in the same way that I do. You know, it's like I don't know. It's it it, it I've got my own reasons for liking yeah. aspects of it, aspects which number to beyond fifty percent of it. Yeah. But um, but I would I, I wouldn't just turn around and go even get into classic and you have to love it if you love anime and that's the end of it because I, <laughs> I can understand. No, I think as we said, like episode four was. Just appalling, Ooh, like yeah. just really impenetrable and not great. But I mean, I mean, kind of segueing into one point one one, I would say that this is a lot more accessible. Oh, definitely, yeah. I and someone happily, can pick this up from start. Yeah, I obviously. would happily show this to someone as, like, as a here's Evangelion. And to be honest, I probably would do. Yeah, because we're going to go into and talk about our opinions mm. of this. Um, certainly, the first six episodes are something of an up and down. 
yeah. you know, roller coaster ride in terms of quality. The, the film isn't. The film's quality remains pretty consistent, mm-hmm. uh, and and I would say high as yeah. well, or at least higher. Um, and so, therefore, if I was ever going to try and introduce someone to Evangelion or show someone what Evangelion was, I'd probably show them this. Yes. Yeah. No, entirely. And uh, I think, uh, as we'll get into it, like I think uh, cutting out a lot of the unnecessary stuff along the way. It's leaner. Yeah. A uh, lot less waffling and detritus. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a leaner, smarter, more efficient machine. Yeah. And uh, I think the character motivations actually seem a bit more solid. Yeah, they're clearer, they make sense, and they have an arc. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit less kind of navel-gazing and a bit more kind of, look, this is just what's happening. Yeah. And off we go. Yeah. Well, look, should we dive in? Yeah. Okay. So... I mean, this is a bit weird in way, but it starts exactly as you'd expect. Yeah, but with one major difference. One major difference. Red water. Red water. So all the seas, it would seem, except for lakes, yeah. which of course aren't seas. That's why I said that. Um, all the major seas and, and you know, uh, all over the world, it would seem, are red yeah. now. Yeah, so uh, it's not explained in the movie. No. But uh, the the explanation is simply that after second impact... This terrible event where we're told half of humanity was wiped out. Mm. Uh, The oceans all turned blood red. Yeah. And I think we find out in the next movie that there's no sea life. Yes, that's right. The only sea life that they have saved are those that were were grabbed at the time or have been grown since. Yeah. um, And are stored in freshwater tanks. Yeah. And there are huge marine... Uh, it's like an aquarium with blue whales in it. Just yeah, keep... yeah, exactly. Not in this movie, but in the next movie. Yeah, and... which is, yeah, a weird scene in itself. But anyway, yes. And But so it's like, and I think one thing I will immediately praise the movie for, it actually seems post-apocalyptic. Yes, because of course the opening shot, as is, as is the case for the series, is Shinji on this public telephone trying to call through to who he needs to to get picked up. Yeah, he's just arrived in a new city and he's waiting for a lift. And although in the show the street is abandoned... The city is relatively intact. It could just be a quiet street. It just looks empty. Yeah, exactly. But in this, it's an overgrown, post-apocalyptic, burnt-out cars. It looks like something from The Last of Us. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, pits of gaping fire or anything like that, but it's just... No, it's just overgrown. Yeah, like, like nature's reclaimed it. Like, no one's lived here for ten years. We see, like, a shot of, like, a red ocean. You know, usual opening, like, there's giant military vehicles waiting for something. Yeah. Uh, But we see, like, a, a hillside... With ruined buildings, like really like blasted, irradiated buildings, yeah. and a giant chalk outline of yes. a humanoid, like on the side of the obviously giant size, like on the side of a mountain, like a kind of an like a crime scene kind of thing, like a yes. Now what's that? That's actually a really good point. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know it's not an Ava because no one, none of them have been combat tested yet. Yeah. Um, we also know that this city is either an outskirt to Tokyo 3 city or an entirely different city altogether because when we do see Tokyo 3 yeah that's obviously fine and clean and modern and yeah this is a city which has been abandoned and, and... Satchiel is on his way yes. to Tokyo 3 and so we can and as obviously in this scene Satchiel appears from behind the mountain in the classic way and is very close to Shinji yeah um, but is still and he has to head over a whole like unpopulated mountainous sort of forest region before he gets even close to Tokyo yeah. 3 and then eventually when he does fight Unit 1 it's at night so he's taken an entire day to get there that's a very good point actually mm. and but but essentially uh, 
aside from those details, which we both immediately picked up on and we both really loved. Yeah. And it's, this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this movie where <laughs> yeah. any questions we had, where we were like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, or what's yeah. going on here? The movie seems to have done something about And sometimes it's just a throwaway line or uh, like a little scene. But they have inserted these bits which just make it make a bit more sense. And it's interesting. We picked up on stuff in the original series like what's going on in the main world? And like it doesn't look that bad even it though it's been an apocalypse. like or... a post-apocalyptic event. But exactly. then, yeah, it seems a bit more real. But hey, yeah, but then Sakiel, giant angel appears. Comes from behind the mountain. The military are attacking him, usual boom, boom, thing. Boom. So this is all very similar so far. The animation is a lot slicker. Yes, obviously. definitely. And also, um, Satchiel uh, ends up very close to Shinji. Like, his foot lands in the street next to him, mm. which I'm pretty sure does not happen in the original TV No, show. and you said kind of bring Shinji into the action yeah. more. And, and yeah, first-hand. Oh, these are, these are big creatures. Wow. But it's all, so far, you know, so familiar. Yeah. Misato um, turns up. In a blue sports car. Rescues him. They race away. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost entirely exactly as before. Absolutely. Uh, a lot slicker, a lot, you know, crisper. Mm. Uh, they drop an N2 mine on him. Yeah. The, the military do that. And uh, they think they've won as, as as it goes last time. But then the image clears up and they haven't. They haven't killed it. Um, and this time we see it sort of having wounds growing yeah. over it. Um, I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure we have those gills bit in the Yeah, first, you see like it's show. kind of, <laughs> like it's almost breathing or something. Sort of bellows thing. Now, I've spent uh, a lot of time, before Tail End of Last Year, I spent a lot of time reading the Eva wiki fan community. Mm. So I feel like I've absorbed purely through osmosis, like a lot of the general fan community theories and knowledge about everything now. Sure. As we've said, one of the big problems is a lot of this is never, ever stated no. directly in the series. No. In fact, it would seem that most of it was picked up from show notes, yep. interviews with Anno, even a couple of the PS2 games, which only came out in Japan, Yep. which were practically like dating simulators. It was yeah. basically like... One very... of them called My Girlfriend of Steel or yeah. something. Yeah. Like very little Evangelion in it. Yeah. But if you read, like, if you complete the game, you get like little fact files and they reveal stuff about and it's all canon apparently yeah and it's all canon and there was also apparently I think I've talked about this on on the show before but um, there was a book that was given to people for the cinematic release Mm. of Death and Rebirth oh Death and Rebirth which is called like the Red Book or something and that has a lot of external notes never been translated never been published never been released to anyone other than those yeah. who had it at the cinema and they have since put scans online there have been translations but again fan translations and a lot of stuff has been gleaned I think from that as well oh. but not everything <laughs> well the reason I bring it up is I think the angels have had some of the most attention in the remake yes and it's like uh, I know you get odd things where you'll see like a familiar angel but the thing that's different now is that it has like a mask. Yeah. Because a couple of the angels used to have like like a kind of like a bird, like a white kind of bird like mask, mm. or sometimes just like a white disc with two kind of yeah, sort of eyes. eyes. Yeah. I think they've done some work in the movie to kind of suggest that while the angels are all incredibly diverse of form and no two look the same, maybe like inside them. There's a unification. Is something a bit more familiar. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Satchel is the first one we see with the mask, and in fact, two masks, because, of course, after it's injured with the N2 mine, its face kind of, like, sort of 
yeah breaks away and a second face kind of comes out with a stubbier beak yeah Yeah. it doesn't have the same length of beak so the angels are even more alien than Mm. before if indeed that's possible yeah but but yeah i mean i can't think of much that diverges at this point like um no not at this point other than obviously uh, we see these sort of wounds boil up and Mm. gendo makes some comment about its um, rejuvenation abilities incredible because it's a movie it's like there's a lot more exposition there's a different logic being de- deployed for the narrative and, yeah. I, and i and i wonder whether it's because in the show it was kind of like hideaki Anno's word is is law and that's yeah. that whereas now there's a big budget there are you know potentially shareholders production companies all sorts of other stuff there are some other people involved and they have maybe said things like that's not clear that needs to be clarified i don't know hmm. but certainly these little points of clarification that we notice all the way through this film that the show was completely lacking um, must have come from somewhere. And I, and I find it hard to believe that Anno would feel the need to put them in himself. Yeah. So that seems like editing to me. I sometimes wonder whether it was intentional going in or whether like a focus group kind of looked at yeah. it. Because it seems like uh, the kind of thing a good producer yeah. would point out. Absolutely. Like a producer doing the right thing might yeah. say, why isn't this angel dead? Yeah. You need to align and and you know like uh, big big production companies who are backing this film with money who are like this has to make sense yeah you know because because we're putting money into this and and that's where the pressure lies but then you know saying that two point two two flies off the rails so maybe, you know maybe, maybe there's no he truth in that. maybe he did he was like I'll do a conventional movie yeah and then, and then I'll do what I want when your back's turned I'll <laughs> leap in. But yeah, so uh, so the whole first sequence, other than being gloriously better animated and and, and visually richer and and deeper, mm. the whole Shinji going into the Gia front and discovering that for the first time is glorious. Well, actually, I think um, I can't remember how quite how different it is, but it felt like a better scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like true. obviously they they bomb Satchio, you know, exactly like in the series. Satchio survives. Shinji flees with Misato, mm-hmm. and they go to the Gia front. Yeah, but there is a line. In the car, yeah, because she says, "Don't you have questions about what that giant yeah. thing was?" And that was like a big problem of ours, where we were like, just didn't question "No it. one ever questions it," yeah, because it's it's actually established in the series. This has never happened. Like yeah. the public has no idea. There's never been a giant monster attack. No, like never. It's not like a thing. No, that happens every day. I mean, it does from that point on, but that's the first time ever. Exactly. And we're going to the geofront. And I think they take a bit more time to kind of drink in the wonder of this incredible structure. Yeah, yeah. Shinji almost seems excited. He does. For a minute. He's like, wow, this is incredible. I think he does do that in the original, though, because I think there's a lot of talk about the Geofront. That's that's a known thing. I think they're very proud of the animation work they've done on the Geofront now. Like, the nerve facilities seem even bigger Mm. and more cavernous than before. And just these incredible robotic cold <laughs> corridors and stuff and everyone's moving in the most ridiculous manner be it on an escalator or like a little ski Vela lift at or, one point yeah, yeah ski lift at one point yeah um so that's kind of cool yeah that is cool but then the guilt trip is exactly the same yeah pretty much played beat for beat in in every single way um and yeah and, and he's and he's forced to pilot for the first time yeah um in in that way and it that doesn't change but of course i think when we were watching the tv show we were hoping for a resolution of his arc in the term of his motivation. So at first he's forced into it by his dad, but we hope that he rises up and, and takes the mantle of a hero willingly, of mm-hmm. course, because that's the classic hero's journey story, isn't it? Um, and and as we'll go on to say, this starting point of him 
you know, his dad forcing him to pilot the Ava um, is exactly this played exactly the same, but is a really good start to the story now because mm-hmm. of how it ends up resolving, which I think is is really really good. Shinji's uh, I think comes across as a bit more of a decisive character. Yeah, like he, he does. still obviously has his Shinji problems. Yeah, but I think he takes action a he bit does. more. He does. Yeah. Uh, and like even even little things like how his loneliness his 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 decision to be lonely is handled like in the TV show there's this real sense of he's lonely and he's like, he likes being alone he likes being separate of people but he's also pathetic mm. and and the whole show is framed around yes he wants to be lonely but that's a bad thing because he's a little bit of a bug you know whereas in this one it's like he decides to be lonely he goes off and he goes somewhere and he goes on his own and he does it because he wants to be yeah and and there's a real sense of now there not being negative connotations around that yeah. this time and that now he's like he can be lonely if he wants to be because he's Shinji alright because we because we, <laughs> we always we went in thinking just of a series in general we went in thinking that we'd be picking on Shinji yeah and we actually found ourselves synth- sympathising a lot <laughs> yeah. with him we thought he's actually acting like a human being would but the series presents him in such a negative light definitely that his seemingly very rational responses are like Shinji <laughs> typical Shinji Shinji oh. less of that in the movie definitely a yeah. lot less of that in the movie and uh yeah, it'd be interesting to think like how much of that was intentional mm. or Anno's decision or more maybe like external mm. influences. I don't know. Maybe like after however many years it took between the movies, he kind of I'd go mellowed to it or looked at it again and thought, oh, maybe. kind of treated him a bit unfairly, perhaps. Maybe. Maybe. Still doesn't excuse the Now we've talked about this, but like they guilt massively guilt Shinji into piloting either unit one. Yeah. But he's like, look, I'll do it. You can't put this critically injured girl in. Like, she's bleeding everywhere. Yeah. I will do it. And it's like, great. That's a very heroic thing that Shinji does. It still doesn't excuse the impossible logic of putting an untrained 14-year-old who only found out about this, like, two minutes ago in the most powerful weapon alive to fight an alien monster. The greatest menace that the humanity's ever faced. Bear in mind, he can't drive a car. Yeah, he he has never piloted anything. There he is nothing to say. He won't completely screw this up. He has no idea even how to control this. Yeah. So we talked about how daft this is because they they launch him, and of course unit unit one joins the battle. Yep. And the first construction is just focus on walking. Yeah. For now, like just try and move Give the it legs. Your best. Just move the legs a little bit, <laughs> and then he falls over. Yeah. And everyone goes, Shinji, get up. <sighs> Crying out loud, you know, you're useless. But the thing is, this is it. Like he's 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 in a life or death situation. He's looking down a street, a mile away is a, is a, a huge creature that they don't even know for sure that Ava Unit One can defeat. Um, and they go, just focus on walking. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> this idea that if they were so desperate, they would put a completely untrained 14-year-old boy into the most powerful weapon humanity has ever made. If they were that desperate, they'd just go, just go, just do a thing, yeah. just fight it, because we're so desperate and scared that you've got to win. That's you know? the only way that makes sense. Yeah. And and we were saying, like, wouldn't it be great if there was just one line yeah. where someone had go, gone, I can't believe we're putting this is crazy. an untrained 14-year-old boy in this weapon. And they said, what choice do we have? Yeah, and someone pulls their hair out, you know, and that's that. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that's the throwaway line that makes it all seem not as crazy. Yeah. Because we do crazy stuff when the stakes are high. And it's like, this is the most desperate situation that humanity has ever faced. Yeah. And he is a perfect pilot. Mm. Like, in the sense, no, he's the perfect... Like, you know, no other human being could synchronise with this He's machine. the only one. Yeah. yeah. But we were wondering whether, like, in any other anime, 
he would immediately display some kind of like innate, incredible piloting ability. Yeah, and they go like, "Oh my god, he's better than even our top trained pilots." You yeah, know? and th- and I think I think as you rightly pointed out when you were watching it, that was the trope that um, Hideaki Anno was trying to subvert. I think was this idea that no, you wouldn't be good if you just got dropped into it. Yeah, but then equally, therefore, that raises questions of its own. Like if you if you are admitting Anno that he wouldn't be good at piloting <laughs> it, then why is he? <laughs> And so the desperation has to be the excuse for that. And yeah. I think there is enough of a sense of desperation. But for then Ritsuko to go, just try walking as though mm. he was now just in a tutorial and, and trying to molly coddle him through it is, is, is really out of It's okay tone. to have this kind of stuff which because we can think of explanations for it. Yeah. We just need to know that the characters in this universe are aware. It's okay yeah. to have ridiculous things of in a story. It is. Yeah. You just need a, a couple of characters to acknowledge it. Yeah. Because otherwise it makes everyone seem insane. Yeah. Like, it's, everyone thinks like, this is the most rational decision in the world when an adult, any adult, would go, this is ridiculous. This is, this I think is... most children would go, this is ridiculous yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he... It usual... works out, doesn't it? Yeah, usual happens. <laughs> it works out uh, in the end. He kind of gets his ass handed to him. Uh, either Unit 1 gets stabbed through the head. Uh, and Shinji's connection to it breaks, kind of breaks. And the Eva goes into berserk mode. Yeah. Just in like the original series. And it, you know, brutally kills. Dispatches Satchiel. And uh, Satchiel detonates himself. And smoke clears. And there is Unit 1 striding confidently out of the mess. So some different things here. Uh, one, my, uh, a subtle thing, but I think the colouring on Unit 1 is very different in the fight. Yes. It's an artistic thing. There's very, um, there's a sense of glow in the dark, luminosity. Has that means... Yeah. Amazing neon. green neon patches on it, which are fantastic. Uh, also, in the original series, that was split between two episodes. It was, yes. So the was... battle started, and then it cut. Yeah. And then we had like a... And it doesn't at all in this, obviously. And it flows better. It does, definitely. Because yeah. I think that was a mistake in the show, to be honest. Uh, also, um, something I didn't mention while we were watching it, but you may have noticed as well, how Unit 1 repairs its arm ah. is not by pulling bits of Satchel off and putting them onto itself, which it does in the show, but it just grows it back. As Not to disagree, but isn't that what happens with Riven arms much later in the series? Oh, am I thinking he of that? He gets his arm cut off, and then he takes rips one of the arms off and sticks it you might be right. on. But certainly when Unit 1 heals in the show, I don't think he gets the armour back. No, no. It's, it's just an exposed human arm, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, whereas the armour grows back somehow in this one. <laughs> and, you know, the animation is, is grotesque and beautiful. Like yeah, it, oh yeah, you know, bubbly, bubbly. Another thing that occurs to me is like after that battle in the series, doesn't the Eva's like, mask come off? And it looks in the reflective side of a building? Or am yeah, I thinking of a different... That might be then. Because isn't that like in the series, like Shinji's lying in bed thinking about it afterwards? Yeah. And you have that flashback to he sees the horrible face of the With Eva. the weird eye. Yeah, and it kind of... I think watched. it is, because of course the whole point is is that Satchiel wraps himself around Unit 1 and then ah. detonates. So he would have blown loads of the armour off, wouldn't it? Yeah. That doesn't happen. No? No. Well, at least we don't see it anyway. No. Um, but we don't need to. This is an example of where it's got leaner and it's got cut a little yeah. bit. And because it's not a TV show now, they've got less time. But that's the opening... That's for like the first act mm. of the movie. Basically, yeah. Uh, and then we get what we thought of as a lull in the TV series. We enter that period. Well, but this it's... is the moving in with Masato period, yeah. as, as I like to call it. <laughs> wow. But uh, there are some changes here. Yes. Um, and there are two very significant ones. And the first is the convenience store conversation. Ah, because we see them go to the shop to buy stuff for Masato to, and, and him to eat. Mostly beer. Mostly beer. Mostly yeah. beer. 
Um, and we hear the clerk, the clerk, clerk. How do you say that word? Convenience store clerk. Is it clerk? Yeah. I say clerk. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an American word, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. You hear her talking, sort of, uh, kind of talking to Masato, but Masato obviously isn't listening. It's just sort of background gumph. Um, but she's saying something along the lines of uh, the calls for evacuation, people leaving Tokyo 3. She's just like, just thinking about that incident yesterday gives me the willies. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like... Yeah. And I think I might leave and move in with my aunt who lives, you know, you know mm. three cities away or whatever. Um, and there's this, uh, for the first, because one of the big things we had a go at it about was was we don't see things in the public perspective. We don't have any idea what the public think about what's going on and why haven't they all left in droves from Tokyo yeah, 3? Yeah, why would you live in Tokyo 3? I mean, I understand not everyone can evacuate. If your home's there, you don't have the money, you don't have a car, whatever. You can't go. You simply can't yeah. and you have to make the best of it. But um, it did seem that we never got that story. It would be great to have just one episode which was told from the public's perspective. I and we wonder, never got that. I wonder, and I, again, it's another thing the series just never tells us, <laughs> but we saw like a ruined city where Shinji was picked up. That's right, yeah. And I wonder whether a, a t- couple of lines of dialogue could have said something like, like, maybe there are less cities anymore. Yeah. I mean, we see like some rural so areas. So there's nowhere else for them to go. But if this po- post-apocalyptic event had hit, not every city would be able to survive. No. And like, if you lived in a more rural area, you might be fine. Yeah. But we see like a cutaway later in the show to what must be other cities. Yeah. Like when they're announcing the power blackout. That's true, yes. And they're much busier. Yeah. Much busier. But it's like Tokyo 3 is described as being a fortified city. Yeah. And maybe like it's probably the most futuristic city in Tokyo. Yeah. In Japan, sorry. And yeah. uh, maybe like that's the draw for li- of living there. Maybe. And an angel has never attacked before. It's funny, like people actually flock to the place that they don't realise is actually going to end up being the battleground. The question is why even have humans living there? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's like my age-old question of why anyone was on board the Enterprise in Star Trek. Like, <laughs> you're going out to bold new places, and you've got all your family and everyone like, living on board the ship. That's company. Yeah, well, okay. Well, surely that's it, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be miserable on the other side of the universe. You might as well take your family with you as well. But everyone could die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, it doesn't make a lot of sense, actually. Mm. But, but anyway. um, But yeah, so uh, there's a line of dialogue which kind of hints at there is a world outside of Nerve. Yeah. Which we never which see. Which is nice. <laughs> uh, and then they enter the apartment, and that's almost a shot for shot. Until? It's a bit... <laughs> well, it's a bit of an odd... It was always a jarring change of tone. Yeah. Anyway, but and we like, talked at length about this scene. But we get the exact same. We were, we were watching it, thinking, "Oh, it's coming." Oh, that, that bit of animation. Here, here it comes. Where Masato has a drink from and a then can. Masato just slamming back a beer, and it is still jarring. It's still weird. I'm like th- everything you decided to include. And it's so funny because I think that that scene has gone down as, as I think we've talked about it before as an iconic Evangelion scene. Yeah. But it's not good. No, it's certainly not good. I, I, I wonder if there would have been an outcry if they cut it. Yeah. Like, fans demand. I've got to say, when I first watched it, I was expecting it. And yeah. not because I was younger and, and less sort of analytical, I suppose. I wasn't expecting it in a negative way. I was going, oh, I bet they're going to do that again. I think this is a fan service you kind of scene on many yeah. levels. But On like, many levels, yeah. They have the same music, which is just so out of place. Pen Pen, the little penguin. Has his little freezer moment. Lives in a freezer, reads a newspaper. see a little bit more of his little freezer house. Yeah, he does. Yeah, because you see his TV. He's reading a newspaper watching television. With his feet crossed. It's like, how is he reading? It's like you're watching the game. Am I having a stroke or something? Like, Is this happening? As a penguin. We've just gone from a massive high stakes end of humanity battle to this. So genetically engineered pet penguin. Yeah. 
But then there's this one line of dialogue, which is subtly different, where after all these wacky hijinks... And mostly Masato just saying loads of really happy things, like, hey, isn't these the, t- the, the times we love living for? And You're a boy, aren't you? Yeah. Look sharp. The most strangest line of dialogue in the You're movie. You're a boy, aren't you? Look sharp. I mean, what? Anyway. I, I think that was a mistranslation thing. I, I think be. it was meant to be like, I'm a sexy woman, why aren't you... More happy that you're living with me. Yeah, I, I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, then you go for Yeah, it. sorry, and she says this line of dialogue, go, hmm, I wonder if he sees through my happy act or something. Maybe I'm I've paraf- been too happy and yeah. he sees through it. Yeah, and it suddenly suggests that everything, everything that we've always seen in that scene was Misato putting on a brave face. And that's lampshading. I think that's, <laughs> that's 20 years of feedback and people talking <laughs> yeah. about how daft that scene is. I think you're right. And just one line of dialogue. Just to say, mm, maybe I'm acting a bit too silly. Hmm, looks at camera. Winks. <laughs> or am I? Wink. Uh. Fourth wall, where are you when we need you? Um, yeah, and that was the first moment that you mentioned. I think that's lampshading. And then subsequently to that, we've seen a lot of that throughout yeah. the film. Where there's there's obvious elastoplasts being stuck over holes in the original story. Um, but this is good, in a yeah. way. Like, as much as that is a little bit... Like, we want to have that whole scene, which was really jarring and out of tone, but then what we'll do is we'll just have a phrase at the end to just excuse it. Like, rather than that, why not rewrite the scene? That's mm. what I would have done. But the, the later lampshading is is maybe a little bit better done, yeah. um, clearer done. And I don't know if I can think of any examples. But but there's another, but then as an example of scuff being cut, there is a sudden scene change to Shinji getting punched in the face. Yes, really abrupt. Like, just that's how that scene ends. It's just like, bam, punch yeah. in the face. So we're back, we're at school, but it's cut all the establishing stuff about Shinji going to school, being in the, the classroom. Because frankly, it was always a bit superfluous. It didn't really like... add a massive amount. And like, no one cares about the class rep. No. We don't need to establish that character or no, anything not like at that. All. No. no, even though she is still in the movie. It still strikes me so odd that they send them to school. Yeah. Like it's really odd. But mind you, of course, the school is controlled by the government and everything like that. So, But again, there's a line. Because post that whole scene with him being punched in the face, you then cut to Misato and Ritsuko yes, talking. Yes, of course, yeah. And uh, Ritsuko says something to the effect of... Uh, no, Misato says he was punched at school. And Ritsuko goes, oh, was it serious? Sort of thing. And Misato goes, no, because the surveillance agents didn't step in. Yeah. And this plays into... Because I'm pretty sure we spent an entire we episode of this show this talking length, about yeah. why someone didn't just wheel Toji away and we never saw him Yeah, Shin- Toji is never seen again. <laughs> Toji is dragged into a black van. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what happens Mark to Grave. Yeah. But actually, it turns out, just through a line of dialogue, which is actually all it needed, hilariously... Yeah. Um, it is revealed that there are surveillance agents watching him at all times. Because you would. Yeah. Because he's the most valuable asset this world has. And yes, of course, there is that episode, you know, before before we get the, the rage, which I'm sure we won't get. But there is that episode in uh, the, sh- the show where he runs away. Yeah. And he ends up in a tent with Kensuke in the field and the agents show up. Yes. But just because they show up there doesn't mean we're meant to assume that they're always there. You need dialogue. We need to be told that in the story. And we mm. were in this. So that's an improvement. It does, I don't know, we always had some issues with, I guess, the efficiency of Nerve and the way Nerve operated. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's still bad. Yeah. It seems to be run by it, like madmen, you know, which it is, I suppose. Yeah, but... the fact that they let him go to school at all is weird. Yeah. The fact that they aren't really, really obvious in their presence is weird. The fact that Ray lives in that absolute hovel is weird. All this yeah. kind of stuff. But, but like, anyway. A lot, I mean, aside from cutting a lot of the unnecessary souls wandering around and scaring at stuff, <laughs> like, we then progress in a pretty you know one for one 
familiar fashion. Like, uh, the... Well, the only difference is the next angel attacks. Yes. The weird uh, crab shamshell, Shamshell, I think. I get the names confused. No, I think it is. But um, they say Sile, the evil sinister monolith organisation, go, we have to prepare for becoming the fifth angel. Yes. Now, our immediate thinking was, because Sakiya was the third. Yeah. And supposedly the first human to ever uh, angel to ever come and attack humanity. Yes. So when they say we have to prepare for the fifth, we were like, ah. They're jumping ahead to the crystal angel. Because that's a particularly powerful one. Yeah. But no, because Shamshell turns up. And that is the fifth. And when Ramiel turns up, it actually says on the screen, sixth, sixth angel. angel. So the numbering of the angels has changed yes. for, the, for the new movie. Yeah. So there's an additional angel somewhere. Somewhere in the mix. And we think we know who yeah. that is. Um, because of the end of this film, yeah, so which we'll, we'll go into when we get there. But great big lobster angel attacks. Yeah. Big differences being it now has a tiny little white mask on it on top of it. Yes. Almost blinking, you miss it. Yeah. And it has CGI. I think it's all CGI. Wobbly, wobbly yeah, legs. Little stuff. limbs thing. But usual happens. Yeah. Uh, it attacks. Shinji goes to fight it. He's got this kind of, I'm just going to blindly follow orders and I won't think or do anything. So the battle goes badly. Uh,. Toji, Toji and, and Kensuke, Kensuke into the cockpit. Into the cockpit. And he's told to leave the battle, but he doesn't. He mm-hmm. fights on. The only major difference is when he... Because obviously he's stabbing the core with the progressive knife and he wins and it breaks. Um, that shot ended with a panning back of the silhouetted figures of Unit 1 without any power and the dead angel just sort of frozen in locked combat. And they were both dead. Uh, and that was quite a cool moment. But because they've decided to change the angel's deaths in the movie mm. to just dissolving into blood. Yeah. It's now the same shot panning back with unit one frozen in this like final position, but the angel's gone. I wonder whether this was like him trying to address an inconsistency because mm. like some of the angels melted others, their corpses Burst just kind of flames. stuck around that yeah. kind of thing. Or exp- but there were whole sections in the anime where they uh, investigate chopping it up yeah, and like yeah. researching it. That's kind of cool. And they can't do that now. Which so is weird. they just utterly liquefy. Yeah. Every instinct of them just disappears. It's yeah, mad. It is. So, so yeah, but other than that, that is exactly the yeah. same. So that kind of like segues into what for us is one of the worst bits in the series. Yeah. Where Misato shouts at Shinji. Shinji goes, I'll pilot the Evers. I hate it, but I'll do it. Yeah. And she has a go at him and says, no. You must love it. You must want to do it. Yeah. That was not in this. No. It definitely made that scene better. And then, because the, the whole, this was the low point, obviously, as you say, and it was basically book bookended by two conversations between Shinji and Misato and the middle section where he runs away. Um, that happens exactly the same in terms of structure in the film. There's a conversation with Misato, him leaving, and then another conversation. But in the case, rather than running away, he goes for a walk. Yes. And it's never inferred that he's leaving Nerve, and Nerve never worry that he is. And I don't think he is. Even in his head, he isn't no. leaving. He just wants to clear his head, be alone with his thoughts. He still li- he still spends one night sleeping rough on the streets. Wrapped, in a cardboard box in, in cardboard. that alley. Because <laughs> <And laughs> we were always saying, like, where are the security division? You don't let the kid who can save the planet just wander the streets where he could get killed. But then there's that scene. Yeah. At the end of his walk, he reaches a sort of the end of a freeway that's broken. And he just goes... Fine, I know you're all there. Take me back to Misato. And all these lights go... And it's inferred, therefore, that the entire time he's gone for a walk, the agents have been following him. Yeah. Again, lampshaded. And it was a better scene. Yeah. It raises some questions about why Nerve would let him sleep rough. But But then Gendo says something, or Fuyutsuki says something to that effect, doesn't he? Saying something like... um, 
just let the boy do what he wants to do or something. Yeah, it's like they become more of like an omnipresent, like maybe sinister, but like... And this is it, because you pointed this out while you're watching it, is that in a way, and I'm not sure whether this was intentional, but by Nerve having this sort of lackadaisical care attitude towards their most important assets, it makes them seem really sinister. Like yeah. they don't, they know, they, they have so much confidence that they're that they're the greatest people. And there's that conversation as well about the, the destinies of these children is already locked in yeah. place. There's nothing for us to Gendo's worry about. Because like, good, good. Everything's going I will to now plan. have him become friends with Ray. Exactly. It's like everything is, is under their control. so much. So th- you're right. It ended up making them seem more sinister as it's, a result of that. Well, it's, it's, like, it's like how conspiracy theorists think the government works. Yeah. Because governments are actually incredibly incompetent. Yeah. Like any government screws up all the time. Yeah. Like every little scandal comes out. But if someone goes like, oh yeah, the government, the Illuminati control everything. Like this is their plan. Like they meant for this to happen. And they, then you go, they meant for that information. But if they meant for this lost. to happen, why did, why do you get this great big public scandal where like all these yeah. people lost their oh, jobs? They wanted, that it was, was just part of the plan. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it, conspiracy theorists always operate on this like, um, idea of excusing the things that would so obviously be the thing that would break the plan yeah, as you know, part as of part it. of the plan yeah and it's so convenient then isn't it because that means that nothing can possibly go yeah. wrong but it's and that's kind of how nerve come across because yeah it's like a government organization would actually try and run things well yeah they might screw up but they would try and they wouldn't let shinji sleep for a night in an no. alleyway because who knows what could happen to him but now they are so powerful and so knowing that whatever yeah like maybe there's snipers surrounding him at all times and if anyone came near him their heads would just explode you say that though but toji got a punch in didn't toji he got a punch in. <laughs> but that's part of the plan as well isn't it that's part of the plan just... let's have him punched by toji but if he punched That'll him teach again him a lesson yeah you know but like you get one punch yeah everybody gets one punch of the chosen one that's <laughs> it i don't kill know him. <laughs> but yeah. he goes yeah i'm done take me home yeah and then he has another scene with masato yeah and this is a slightly less uh Positive conversation, but it's it's again cut and it's Lena, um, and Misato basically has a go at him, and and he says, "Well, it doesn't matter what I think, does it? Because I'm just going to I, my whole life is apparently I can't go anywhere without being followed by you people. My whole life is piloting the Ava, and and she sort of grabs him by the scruff of the neck, sort of, but she doesn't have anything to say because she realizes that's true, and he just smiles. Oh, that was the first scene, though, was it? Wasn't it not? Because no, I thought that was the second one. But when he came back, wasn't it like they're in that darkened room? And the door opens and it's like that beam of light or something. I think that happens. Oh, I don't know. The two scenes are quite similar. Well, either way, yeah. the, the result takeaway emotion is that Misato, Misato knows that in a way he's right. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, uh, he does just have to do it, really. But did she say at one point, like, you can leave if you want? Does she not say, like, look, go if you want. We don't care. It's still no. like that slight guilting element of... That happens later. Right, I'm getting confused now. It's yeah. really kind of like... Because, um... Yeah. Too many mm. judgmental moments between the two. There are. Anyway, Th- like... th- that does happen in the yeah. movie, though. That She does say that to him. Okay, well, like, it's, the long long short of it is, as you rightly said, it is less horribly manipulative. Yes. Like, it's still negative, but it's not quite as... But there's this sort of... The, the takeaway thing is, I think Masato realises, maybe for the first time, because I'm pretty sure she doesn't in the show... Oh yeah, we're kind of treating him a bit bad. Yeah, and Shinji goes away with it's all a fait accompli. I doesn't it doesn't matter what I think or do, and and that's really important sort of middle point for his and Misato's arc because at first Misato was like, this kid is a screw up. Yeah. Now it's hold on, are we treating him quite badly? And the res- resolution which we'll get to is quite good for both mm-hmm. Misato and Shinji in this film. So this is the middle point of both of their arcs, and it's actually played quite well. Yeah. Even though it was the worst point of the show up until mm. now. Yeah, it's interesting weird. how they turned that around. Yeah, and 
yeah, it's this hor- less horrible guilt. Yeah, it's a lot better. Um, so what are we missing here? I don't think we are now much because after the second angel, Shinji leaves for a bit, goes for a walk, comes back, and then I think we're pretty much immediately into Ramiel turning yes. up. So, uh, so yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and and literally suddenly. Oh no, sorry, I am missing something. The Ray Shinji encounter in her horrible house. Oh, we blocked it out, John. We were hoping it wouldn't be in. We were trying to remember because I have seen this a few times. I, I just couldn't remember. But yeah, she needs to be delivered her new ID card, and for some reason that falls to Shinji. This is again a prime example of the administration of nerve. Like, why? But I, we... but I, was that not kind of Misato going? Oh no, it's Gendo going. It... We'll have her meet. Ah, we'll have him meet Ray. Sorry, yeah, it's all coming back now. So it's funny actually because in the original show, Gendo never said that line. We'll mm. have him meet Ray. Um, so now they're they're lampshading a little bit there as well. They want to have that scene again. But they know it doesn't make any sense for Shinji to show up and do do Nerve's busy work. So Gendo makes it part of the plan. Yeah. Okay, whatever that means. Fine. So Shinji goes to Ray's horrible drug hovel apartment. It looks even worse now it's in HD. <laughs> and again, we've talked about it. it doesn't make any sense how Nerve would act this way. But no. that's where she lives. Hey. And we were like, oh, they're not going to do the... The nudity thing again, are they? And it's it's probably the only bit in the in the film that's exactly like the show, which is odd. Yeah, like out of everything they could faithfully recreate, because it was little things like because we'd seen it so recently. I was like, you know, I'd forgotten all the details of how she pushes him up against the the dresser, takes the glasses off, takes him. the glasses off him at the same time his satchel catches in the. It's such a weird sequence of things to happen, so that the result is her naked on the floor and there are pants everywhere. That's the that's the what they yeah. really wanted to end this scene. It was so important to them that it ended like this. So he falls on top of her and oh oh, he's I've got grabbed her breast and it's like this isn't yeah this wasn't good the first time around and isn't really good this time around. No. But the weirdest thing now is that you see her nipple. Yeah, there's actual nudity this time. Yeah, like it's and it's like she's meant to be fourteen. She's meant to be fourteen, and yeah. I know that. It's even weirder. It's not. Result. It's not presented in an overly sexual way, but it still shouldn't be shown. It just shouldn't be there at all. Because it doesn't add anything to the story. No, not I at mean, all. The the point of the scene apparently is to show Ray has no sense of self worth or decency or privacy and doesn't care if people. There are a million other ways to do that. There's though. a lot of different ways. And, and we talked extensively about this in the show before, yeah. so I don't want to repeat ourselves. But I mean, there, there's also meant to be that entire subtext of of Shinji's sexual awakening, mm. which I think is unnecessary to the story, to be frank. Like, you can have a character arc without it being sexual. There's no need for mm. that. Um, but it's there nonetheless, and it's presented and storyboarded, and, you know, the tempo of the scene is, I would say, if you played them side by side, they would match flawlessly. Yeah. Like they, it, is, it is almost like the gem they wanted to conserve in the midst of everything. Which is odd. Yeah. Because going from that... Which we were like, ah, why, uh, why, go to the, why go to the detail of now adding a nipple? Yeah, like exactly. And it's not the only time they add the no, nipple. No, it's weird. Like the one thing the film was missing. Yeah, odd. <laughs> and then, but it goes into uh, the final act of the movie, which is Ramiel's appearance. And yeah. I think we were both like, ah, yeah, this is what it, it was all this worth. What we wanted this because Ramiel, Ramiel looks amazing. Ramiel was always my favorite angel. Yeah, and now Ramiel has had the most incredible updated look yeah because it's like a blue octahedron yeah and now it's utterly reflective 
It looks, yeah, it's like glossy and it some sings. panels are opaque, but some panels are transparent. It's amazing. It makes this odd kind of like, la, <laughs> yeah, la, noise as it's kind of moving Which is why along. I'm going to call it she, because I feel like it's female. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it turns up, uh, usual thing, they deploy unit one, immediately gets blasted. Yeah. Dodge! But he's, it's too quick. Immediately gets blasted with his massive particle cannon. And now Ramiel undergoes the most incredible transformations every time it fires like a flower opening like, like just geometric shapes like a like an origami like just yeah. folding in and out of itself and it, the the sound effects are incredible yeah like and you no- see the core floating in the middle and it's got no real sense of like body yeah because it can it can fold and its volume changes dramatically from being hardly anything to much bigger than the the original octahedron that it was yeah there's no sense of space or, or volume or it, mass or yeah. anything it's just whatever it needs to be to fire that weapon and then it closes up again and this and time, awesome. they can't retract Shinji because the, the, the elevator, elevator melted, gets melted, which, which is, doesn't happen in the show. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so a shield goes up to defend him, um, and <laughs> they then blow a whole block of the city up. Yeah, so that they blow all the bolts that <laughs> that hold it, which again so is it terrifying. Falls through the floor. I hate hikes at the best of times. <laughs> the knowledge that the city you're living on. Is suspended on an eggshell. Yeah, that could be blown at any time. And at any point you want, they can just press a button and make a city block drop. <laughs> and you made the valid point. Why doesn't Ramiel start drilling there? Yeah, because that's just a free open hole down to the geofront down there. You don't there, see the there? hole closed, do you? <laughs> no. It's terrifying, I guess, I guess it must do. I don't think they fall all the way into the geofront. You'd hope not, because... But I don't know where they fall to. Because I'm fairly certain either Unit 1 would be ruined by yeah, falling that 50 fall. miles at, or however tall it is. <laughs> it's a hell of a long way. Um, so then we're going to the usual thing of... Shinji has to recover. Oh, and it starts drilling. Yes, but its drill is not, because we commented on the drill before in the original show and how it looks like a man-made drill. <laughs> Just looks like a drill head yeah. coming out the bottom of this alien... But this time, like, the bottom of the octahedron sort of, like, almost melts into a spiral. Mm. And it looks just more of the same blue translucent material that turns into a spiral and starts drilling. And it looks great. It looks very way good. It looks fantastic, actually. Yeah. And it's these little things that, that are certainly huge improvements on the show. They clearly, they were very proud of this bit. And they Definitely. should be, yeah. actually. And um, so, yeah, so then we enter this thing where they're like, Shinji is injured, he's being healed. And they go, okay, well, we have, like... It's drilling. It's going to penetrate all twenty-two layers of the geofront by like in nine hours. Time. In nine hours or something yeah. like that. We know. So we need a desperate plan, and this is really good. Yeah, it was good in the series, it's, and it's good here it's again. Really good here. There's a, a, again, a really great sense of mass organization and you know impossible deadlines and Misato doing her job really well. Like she's yeah. a strategist who came up with this preposterous idea that no one else would have come up with, and she organizes it to a T. And everyone seems. You know, it seems to reinforce the whole idea of why Misato is actually in charge mm. because this is genius. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so all of, all of Japan comes together. Every agency they build again, probably the most incredible thing humanity has ever built. Yeah, massive positronic sniper rifle. <laughs> yeah, because you can't get close to this thing. No, and then yeah, but like great, we have a plan. Yeah, we get like one shot, but we will shoot it, blow out the core, and that'll be that. Happy days. And practically everything is pretty much played the same. You know, Ray comes to see Shinji in bed. And Shinji's like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And we have a big change. Because oh. remember, like, everyone's ready, but Shinji doesn't go. Oh, that's right, because he's out on that bridge, isn't he? Yeah, so Shinji does not want to come. And this, this entirely new scene, and it's telling that it's a very good scene. Yes, but also, just before you get into that, Misato has a sympathetic tone. 
Yeah. So although she's like, this is your job. I thought you said you were going to stick with nerve. I thought this was your job. And he goes, I'm scared. And suddenly her manner changes. And it's not, you're so pathetic or you should want to do it like we always had from the show. It was, I'm going to show you something. And uh, it makes... I just, I'll say this as a point of praise. Like Everyone's character motivation is, makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Everyone has an arc. And we've got a great moment coming up, obviously. Yeah. But... So she goes, look, he goes like, well, look, it's not fair. You guys are all safe. I yeah. have to go up there and fight it alone. And she goes, I'm going to show you something. And she takes him down through nerve. Like, right to the depths. Down, 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 down to basement triple E. e. Yeah. The gates of hell and they open. And what do they see? They see Lilith, John. Lilith. Lilith. Which is interesting because in the six episodes of a TV series. We ain't watched... seen no Lilith. Yeah. No. No we idea. We've seen Lilith for a long time. The only reason we know who Lilith is is because we've seen the whole show. So I guess because we're doing this in... Chrono- you know, because we're doing this in chronological order, like we know more about the series outside of what we've seen. Yeah. But if someone is watching along with us, be like, what the hell is this? What's yeah. going on? Exactly. Yeah. So Lilith is basically, it's like a vision of hell. It's like something that Dante wrote about. Yeah. So there is this vast chamber, probably like miles below the surface, mm. a sea of kind of like orange goo it kind of looks like um like cellular structures like mm. there's they're sort of like hanging globules oh, those and, yeah and, and veins and all sorts of stuff around that's area. A, yeah no you're right because they keep descending and it is yeah. like going through the, la- the layers of hell yeah it is because yeah. you go through this layer and i think that's the eva graveyard ah uh, right yeah. So, yeah so you get like these giant nervous systems yeah but like, like too big even for an eva like yeah, I guess so, yeah. Massive. And what looked like a tree. Yeah. Like a great big fleshy tree or something. <laughs> it wasn't great. No. Like, it's pretty horrible. You've got to wonder whether Anno or, or, or any of the production slash creative team have any real uh, care or idea for the geography of this. Mm. Or whether it's literally just, oh, I know, as we pass down here, shall we show them some crazy stuff? Like, more to create a sense of radical weirdness. But of course, the thing i really struck by is like, no, everything about Nerve is gigantic. Yeah. And impossibly so. Inhuman, I would say, and also kind of like you can't reason with it. No. So and that's characterized by these incredibly oversized corridors. Yeah, and foyers and atriums and all sorts. And I'm fine with that. No, and I like it because I like it's it a look, too. it's it's a thing they're going for. It's a characteristic, yeah. But it's it's actually kind of it, it it's it's crossing over into the realm of unreality yeah. and like dream. Because in reality, no facility could be this big. No. No, no, not at all. It's it's, it's incredible. It's ridiculous. It's like... Over the top. It's like paranoia and conspiracy and and schizophrenia. Like, no sinister organisation running the world could be this big. But that's what it feels like. This is the incredible machinery running the world. I think the more you say it, the more conspiracy theory is a really good analogue for a lot of what they were going for with Mm. Nerve and Evangelion as a whole. Like, it, the whole story is told from the perspective of what a conspiracy theorist or crazy, like, paranoid person sees the world like. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly in the sense that we've got a, a quasi-government agency which is in charge of the end of the world and is trying to bring about something which the public and the populace have no say in. There's nothing democratic about it at all. And it's all control. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot there, actually. And and, it, and it's it's nightmarish. Like, it's, these are meant to be the good guys. Sinister I, I and mean, nightmarish. We're, we're on the side of Nerve, to, yeah. to some extent, to aren't some we? To some extent, yeah. Uh, and yet, the things they've built are, are monstrous. Mm. 
and 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 right down in the basement they have Lilith which is a now this is interesting I think we should probably because the end of the movie is almost beat for beat how it was in the original series like almost they, there's an important point to, to yeah I mean but ultimately but yeah. like they they shoot Ramiel yeah they are able to kill Ramiel um or maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself but things like there is in the movie there are these big big mythology story beats mm. stuck in they're not there's not a lot of them, no. but it's a hell of a difference to what we've seen in the series so far. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely so far, yeah. Because Lilith is uh, a giant white humanoid. Yep. Its lower limbs are missing. Yes. And coming from like the ragged... Bulbous. ...stump where its torso ends... Yeah. ...are hundreds of little limbs. Yeah. Like tiny, They're all legs, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Like, like hundreds of like tiny humans kind of like... And some of them are sort of struggling kind of and Lilith has like a weird purple mask yeah a bit like an angel yep with like seven eyes on it but it didn't in the movie they've changed it in the movie haven't yeah. they yeah different design yeah and it is crucified like actually nailed to a giant cross nails through its hands yeah and piercing it through the chest is a massive spear yeah now we know some of this stuff because this and also an orange liquid is leaking out of that Which wind. I believe is LCL. Yes, because that's where they get it from. Yeah, it's what yeah. they breathe when they're in... The cockpit. Yeah, so yeah. they're literally just like... That must smell really bad. Because Shinji says at one point it smells like blood. Oh, does he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, there you go then. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and Misato says, this is Lilith. It is the source of all life on Earth. Yes. The second impact event wiped out half... Of humanity mm. and ruined the planet. Basically, oceans are red, temperatures risen. If the angels reach Lilith, they will bring about third impact. She yeah. says, and it will destroy us all. It will end the world. Yeah, that's why we have to stop. Yeah, and she said, and this building is primed so that if an angel ever gets down to basement Triple E, the entire facility will detonate. Yeah, and we will all die. But we have to to stop the angels getting to Lilith. Which makes you wonder why they haven't destroyed Lilith already. Yes, that were mm, well, quite yeah. Mm. So that is more story, like in like a burst of thirty seconds, than we've had in the entire series so far. Yeah, definitely. And I know my memory of the series. I don't think any of that stuff is really revealed until later. And even no. then, it's a bit ambiguous. Absolutely. As to, yeah. And there's differences between the movies and the TV series. So we're kind of fumbling in the dark a little bit here. Yeah, but it's a bit crazy. But also, like, it's not if. If the rebuild was following the exact timeline of events as the show, it's not a deal breaker that Lilith gets revealed early like this. No. Because, you know, not Misato and Shinji can't do anything with that information no. and they never do. I think it's actually better. Yeah, I, I agree. I, the yeah. main series keeps you waiting for information for so long. Yeah, a heck of a lot longer. Yeah. But we were debating because we off air, we were kind of wondering in the main series how much Misato actually knew. Yeah. Because she's commanding a military operation, but we were wondering, had she just been hired to do that? Yeah. Did she know anything about the weird mythology behind the Evas and everything? And Yeah. But it's it's weird. You don't know where Lilith came from. You don't know why they're even keeping it alive. If it's that dangerous, why not just kill it? Yeah. But Shinji, and she says basically, like, look, we'll all die if they get to Lilith. You're not the only one in danger. Yeah. And Shinji has a really cool moment. And he goes, 
yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'll do and it. He's, and, and we actually commented that he's drawn really awesomely in that sequence. Like he's sort of he's sort of shot from above, and he's sort of looking up, and there's this really heroic like sense of responsibility. He looks on like his a face. protagonist. He looks, he looks like, like a, a badass. Yeah, he yeah. Looks, and he, and he squeezes her hand. Yeah, and it's like, yes, I'll do it. Yeah, I get it. So yeah. that's an insert. That's never in the entire no. But then we jump back into doing a pretty faithful recreation absolutely and the only big thing really that's that different other than the the general slickness of how the whole thing is presented is the moment where after they fire the first um shot from the sniper rifle yes it is it looks like it hits but it misses yeah and and ramiel sort of reassembles herself um and is primed to attack again yeah and you suddenly realize like oh god like it didn't work um, and at that moment, it fires, I think, and that's when Ray takes the shot with the shield and everything. Um, and then it's at that moment that Gendo says something to the effect Well, of, this is after the first shot, isn't it? Yeah, because Avera 1 has been knocked back away from the gun and everything. Um, and, 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 and Shinji is scared. I think he's crying in the cockpit. Um, and um, okay. yeah, and then and- Gendo says something like, this, this is pointless. Uh, the pilot is useless. Eject him and uh, deploy the dummy plug system. And and he, and I, I think Shinji can hear that over like the intercom and the radio yeah. and everything. And Misato comes up on his screen, and she looks just a determined look on her face, and she says something to something like, um, uh, "Believe in your son. Give him a chance." Yeah, kind of thing. He wants to do this. He said he would do this. Yeah, he chose to pilot. He chose to pilot the Ava exactly. And then at the same time, the music's rising. It's getting heroic. And, yeah, uh, Shinji sort of reorientates himself in the cockpit pushes forward on the levers and Avera 1 gets up and oh, walks back towards the gun it's an amazing and, shot yeah and there's this great silhouetted shot of unit 1 picking up the sniper rifle like silhouetted against the mountainside and Shinji hasn't given up like yes he was scared he was shocked he was terrified but Misato believed in him and and Shinji while Misato was saying you should give him another shot and everything he was proving her right and he was getting up and he was going back into the battle and he wasn't running away and Gendo goes fine whatever sort yeah. of thing and they prepare for the second shot and I, that never happened in the show there was never that amazing hero moment where now the full arc was now completed yeah. from the little bit with Lilith now right up to the final moment where even in the heat of battle he didn't run away and Misato stood up for him yeah. in the face of the the terrifying leader of Nerve because both Misato and Shinji have an arc yeah exactly like it works like a movie who knew yeah, it like, works yeah, like a free act movie yeah and it's it's like everything we didn't like about the opening six episodes <laughs> yeah. has been kind of improved. Literally like, rebuilt. <laughs> it's so it's so much tighter mm. as a story. Yeah. And the emotional beats hit home. They do. You do feel sorry for Shinji and you feel proud of him when he, he rises up. And mm. it's like, yeah, this is a movie. Yeah. This is a story. It has a beginning, a middle and, and, a, and an end and it works very well. Yeah, it does. And uh, yeah, they do their thing and they kill Ramiel. Yeah. And it looks fantastic. I mean, like, as we said earlier, like, Ramiel looks incredible. It's yeah. benefited so much from this rebuild yeah. thing. And then when, when it dies, it sort of becomes bigger than it ever was. Like, these huge polygonal Screams. screaming hedgehog of spikes. And uh, and then it dissolves yeah, it just turns blood to, again. turns to blood and yeah. off it goes. And then, uh, yeah, the usual thing... Uh, Shinji Ray is, you know, trapped in the little dummy plug. Shinji goes down to rescue her, mimics uh, Gendo saving her. Exactly, yes, just like in the story. Yeah, just like in the show. And uh, yeah, and they have a nice little moment at the end. And it, it wasn't too different, but I think it was handled slightly better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the final shot. 
of the movie. Oh, good grief. Because yeah. the camera pans up away from them in so, the NC so, plug. So far, so familiar. Yeah. Pans up to the moon. The moon. <laughs> and we sort of joke like, meanwhile, meanwhile on the moon. Meanwhile on the moon. And then sure enough, yes, it pans to the moon. <laughs> and, okay. So, step into this David Lynch-esque nightmare with us for a moment. <laughs> the moon. Yeah. Very bright white light. Of course, there's no atmosphere. No. Nope. moon. A little bit of an atmosphere, you know. Can't and there are seven... It seems. I, I, I think coffins... In a line. On the moon. Yeah. Just in the middle of nowhere. Just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Some are open. I didn't count how many. Maybe like three are open. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And then the middle one opens, or kind of it's already open, but a kid... Sits up. Sits up. Yeah. A very pale-skinned kid, white hair, kind of red eyes. Now this is... Kawuro. Yeah, we know, we know Kawuro. But of course, no glimmer of him in the TV series yet. He no. turns up much, much later. Yeah. But he's alive on yeah. the moon. Here he is. He's Apparently. alive on the moon. And one of the Seelay black monoliths appears above him. Yeah. And they say, say some kind of like kajibberish. Like, <laughs> he's like, uh, so the boy has arrived or something like They're that. They're obviously talking about Shinji, aren't they? Yeah. He's awoken or something. And yeah. the, the monolith is like, yes, and the, the hour of the convergence is, is coming upon us, human instrumentality and yeah. and everything. And you get a cut of a huge humanoid. Massive humanoid. Ava-sized. Ava-sized. And I, it looks, immediately, it looks like Lilith, to yeah, be honest. Does. But it has legs. But my understanding, I think, is that it is an Eva unit. Previously unseen. Right. Didn't, didn't exist in the original series. And it's wearing the mask that Lilith used to wear in the yes, TV show. you're right. With the weird seven eyes and the yes. sort of half and half thing. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So they've switched out who was wearing which mask. And it's like reason. wrapped in like a white kind of like film or like a sheet. Like yeah. A, so it does look like Lilith. It does. But I, imagine, I understand that that is Kawaro's Eva. But it doesn't have any armour on yet. No. It's just a, just a humanoid body underneath. And then Kawaro kind of looks up at Earth and goes like, I look forward to meeting you. Shinji Ikari. Yeah. And then end. To be continued. Boom. Smash cut <sighs> credits. There you go. And then you get the credits, and there's a funky little tune over credits, and then it goes like, uh, preview for Eva 2.22. And you just see, like, stuff. Loads of stuff. Like, Half of which isn't in the movie. Like, Eva, like, <laughs> Unit 2, Asuka, yeah. stuff blowing up. Unit 3. Uh, unit four, yeah, yeah, like it's just a boom, boom, boom. All this stuff's happening. An angel like, we've never seen before. I like, I recognise some of this stuff from the series, and uh, and then <laughs> and then like a new Eva descending from the sky. Yeah, yeah, with a different sort of visor on its head, and then just that's it. That's it. That's the end. There, there's your lot, and uh, yeah, and th- and there it is, and uh, that is Eva two point. Two one, two. One, yeah. No, 1.11. Sorry, yeah. yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I think it's fair to say that we enjoyed it. Definitely. Yeah. I I def I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. Yeah, uh it is a distillation of what made Evangelion good. Yeah, and I think maybe um distillation is the perfect word because all of this time we've been talking about the bits we love and the bits we don't like so much and we're getting through it on the bits that we love. Mm-hmm. Um and if 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 some magic wand could come along and take all the best bits and sew them together into a great new story and that's kind of what this film does. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that the film does have a couple of the bad bits that we hate in it, especially yeah. the racing. Um it Overall, because of the structure, because of the weird subject matter and everything we love about Evangelion, it shines yeah. and it is good. And I'm actually wondering to myself, like if I, we've been looking for that moment where if you were going to introduce Evangelion to someone, yeah. what would you do? Where'd and you I start? think, I think it would be this movie. Yeah. 
And I, it's a shame, really, because if the Rebuild series had continued in this fashion yes. of re- ma- remaking the entire story as four movies, I think it might have been something fantastic. Yeah, but instead, as we know, it sort of goes off and tells its own story, which could have been fine. But when Mike. Hideaki Anno is, is faced with geni- you know, creating a new story from scratch again, I don't know. I mean, I, the problem is that when you follow the Rebuild series, we pretty soon end up in completely uncharted territory. Doesn't so take long now, yeah. It's very, it's very hard to say, is this indicative of Evangelion? Because we don't know where it's going. No. Uh, but if this was just a standalone movie and there was nothing else... You'd almost be tempted in a way, wouldn't you, to show someone this movie and then just go straight into episode seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's this is great because you could be invested from this movie. It's uh, it's it basically like if I'd been involved in the project of making rebuild, I would have considered this a success, I and I would have been very hopeful for the future. Yes, about what would have happened. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. It loses a lot of the unnecessary stuff. It accentuates what makes it good, and yeah, I think it's perfect Evangelion. Really, absolutely interesting. That like, I guess in watching it in this order. We're now kind of going back into the series, maybe knowing more mm. uh, than we should do at this point. But we knew it a lot anyway. But yeah, it's kind of it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see now that we're going to go from knowing a bit to suddenly going back to the series where they continue to hold information back yeah. for a very long time. Yeah, and it's a bit like I don't know. It, it's one of those series where I guess something like Twin Peaks or one of these series with like great unsolved mysteries where. There's this massive community about the speculation and trying mm. to understand it. And it, it's, it's interesting because maybe you wouldn't have that if they'd explained it, if they'd been more upfront. And this is the this is the age old thing, isn't it? It's like, was this intended? You know, mm. with, with all of these shows that 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 often try and create and, and end up do creating a sense of community because of the mysterious qualities that they have. Um was that was that the plan? And I don't think you can plan for something like that. I think when you're writing a story, all you can think about is making your story, is, is telling your story, mm. and making sure that you do everything in your power to communicate this great idea that you've had. Um, and some people can go too far with that and things can be exposition heavy and too wordy and stuff. And then some people can not go far enough and their, their idea is so solid in their head, but they never quite communicate it. And I feel like that's where Anno falls with Evangelion. But, you know, you've got to think about... Um, the whole community thing as well, you know, and building this this huge love for it. If it was clear, if it was crystal clear, we knew exactly that what was going on, would it be as successful? Would it be as famous? Would it have this community around it? Maybe it wouldn't. It is weird because I know Evangelion is both kind of loved and joked about. Yeah. Because clearly it did some things right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because clearly, like, it's been very influential. People have, people still talk about it. We're re-watching it now. But it frustrates a lot of people as well. Mm, frustrates uh, us. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense in there as Definitely, well. Definitely, yeah. So I don't know, it's weird. Like, would I, at the sake of losing some of the mystery, would I rather they just... Did I it? know I would. Yeah. I, I know that if tomorrow Anno could, could wheel out uh, the Evangelion Explained and it was a four-hour, you know, uh, explanation of everything... Uh, hopefully as a story, I would I would go to that immediately mm. and I would watch it. I would consume that. I want I want to understand it. I care more about seeing what is in his head and, and what his plans for this whole story and these characters were rather than maintaining the mystery. And the question is like, did he did he intentionally hold scuff back and then think I'll remake it later? Or did he like do you think he failed in telling the story originally and now he's trying to make it right? 
or did he or is he always just erring on the side of I'd rather be a bit vague? I think maybe failed is a harsh word, but essentially, yes. That. In his own eyes, perhaps. Yeah. Because it's, well, a, it's, mm. it's an interesting thing to go back to your, pro- your the same project so many times. Yeah. But then as we've discovered with Rebuild, he hasn't gone back to retell it. He's gone back to do a new story. Which is what I'm wondering. Is it like, yeah. does he feel he's perfecting it or adding to it? Is he going back to I think to he correct- feels he's adding to it. Yeah. I think he's telling a different story this time. No. It's just that the first six episodes of it, for some reason, seem to be exactly the same. I don't know how his brain works. Because it's kind of like the... Um, <laughs> it's like... It, Star Wars is an interesting comparison because yeah. you mentioned George Lucas earlier, but it's like George Lucas was endlessly re-releasing uh, the original trilogy. He was. It wasn't even just like one special edition. He kept doing it like every five years or a couple of years. And he it was almost like an obsession because... Some things were understandable, like say it always bugged him that the Ewoks' eyes never moved because they were models. So then, you know, they can go in and they can digitally just make the eyes move a bit. And I'm like, okay, I can see your point. It's like you had a vision. And the technology didn't allow it. You couldn't do it at the time. But Mm. when it's like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to add some CGI dinosaurs walking across the screen or like I'm going to make 30 stormtroopers in a room and there was only like five before, you know, it's kind of like... I, it's the thing is, is that is that uh, like Evangelion, Star Wars is already well loved for what it is. Mm. Um, rebuild was never necessary. Like um, I don't think anyone was crying out for it necessarily. Uh, although that said, I don't know. Like because there was all that talk around a live action Evangelion for a while, mm. and, and people were desperate for that. And and I think maybe maybe there is some outcry for a rebuild, mainly because of answers to questions. The issue with Star Wars, and the difference between Star Wars and Evangelion, is that the story makes sense. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. knows what's happening in Star Wars. Yeah, fundamentally, but it's a very straightforward story. So George yeah. Lucas isn't worried that, you know, you need to go back and make Luke's plight clearer. Or, you know, who, who was that Obi-Wan guy? We should make that a bit clearer. You know, he, he's not doing it for that reason. He's just doing aesthetic cherry on top type changes. Yeah. Um, was Anno worried about the clarity of his story? No, I don't think he was. But I think the fans were. And that's why the fans were looking forward to Rebuild. And certainly what we thought we were getting when we saw 1.11 was, oh, this is all starting to make sense. If I, like, if I could be a fly on the wall, mm. I would really love to know who instigated some of the changes we really liked. Yeah, true. Because like, it, mostly it, it amounted to two lines of dialogue in yep. each scene yep. just to clarify it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like... Do you think he was looking at it for 20 years going like, oh, I wish I'd done that a little bit differently? or Because we, we create stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I know I look back at stuff I've done, I always think like, oh, oh, I would have done that differently. I wish I could redraw, recreate that. But scene. if you had the opportunity, would you be like, I, for the sake of inserting an extra line, I can make that scene entirely make sense again? Yeah. Or, you know, were, were, were the people, was it the people he was working with? And they were like, well, look, this is a beloved classic. But it's very obtuse and people have trouble getting into it. So for the sake of a little bit of exposition, can we make it a bit more user friendly? Mm. And then a whole new audience will love it yeah. and you'll get new fans. We'll never know. We'll never know. No, but no. It's, it's fascinating. I... I get the feeling that it is the latter mm. because then it goes off the rails again. Yeah. And and, and that's the Anno magic, isn't it? Like, that's, that's... I guess that's what you pay for. Really. Yeah. I mean, I know everyone tells a story in a different way and maybe some people... You know, maybe Anno is one of these people who can tell a story like this and, and not feel the need to, to tie off the loose ends and to not make everything intimately clear. I don't know. I I don't even know how you go about making something like that because either you know everything and you only reveal 20% of it mm. or you don't know everything and you just riff it out. And I don't think it's really either of those. So I don't really know what, what it is he's done. It's weird. 
I'm very glad that this movie got made. I am too. It is. Yeah. It's great. It's I, really I, really, I do really like it. And yeah, there's still a couple of weird things, but I'd be happier presenting this to the world. Absolutely. Than I think the original six yeah. episodes. Mm. So yeah, a, a good experience. All round. Now, uh, should we do the impact and Shinji I rating? Think we should yeah. I've got two numbers in mind. I think I do as well. Yeah. Impact. Yeah. I want to say. Oh, I'm doubting myself now. Go I want to say, say eight. I was going to say nine. Oh, there we go. I was debating nine. Okay. So should we do like eight and a half? Eight and a half is fine. Eight with and a half. Yeah. Uh, Shinjiness. I want to say two. two. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Agreed. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's very good stuff, actually. I don't know if that. Ranks as the strongest episode. We'll let you find out by looking at our ratings online. Yeah, I think it's I forget the stats every time yeah, we do it. Yeah. It means hopefully it keeps us honest. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it does. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm very very much looking forward to getting this one up there. And hopefully yeah. introducing a whole new generation to the wonder of Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If if um if you're listening to this and you haven't or have only just watched 1.11 for the first time or are now going to go watch it off the back of what we've said, then I am very excited to to. I wish I was in your shoes because the first time I watched 1.11 was in a cinema. Really? Yeah. Because, um, amazingly, uh, when they were first released, long before they were on DVD and Blu-ray or whatever, uh, there was this really, really limited, you know, book now, super limited seating for uh, a showing of 1.11 and 2.22 back to back Wow! in um, in a little London cinema. And I, I found it just randomly in searching on the internet. I can't remember how. And I rang my brother up because he was a really big fan of Evangelion oh, right, as well. Okay, yeah. And I said, Phil, we've, we've got to go. And I think he was at uni and I might have just finished uni. I can't remember which way around everything was. And uh, I was like, I'll buy the tickets. We'll, we'll just go. You've just got to just got to come down to London on this day. And he was like, OK, yeah. And we went down and it was great. We just we sat in the cinema, we watched the first one. Then you popped out into the foyer while they'd like changed everything. And, and I think there was like a bath. We had a drink and stuff. And then we went straight back in and watched 2.22. And so the first time I ever saw 1.11, I went straight into and saw 2.22 immediately afterwards. And I saw them both in the cinema, which was really cool. Wow. Yeah. It's quite an experience. Uh, I have an odd little story about this one as well, because uh, it seems clearly there are odd stories about it. Um, I uh, I was a big fan of Evangelion from uni, as yep. we've said before. And I remember my brother, my younger brother, went on a trip to Japan. Oh, right. And he came back and he got everyone a present. And he got me uh, a DVD of an anime. Right. And he said he just randomly picked it out. And honestly, he had no idea what I liked or didn't like. Just com- grabbed a completely random thing. And it was Evangelion 1.11. Ah! Japanese DVD uh, in this lovely hardback red box case. Oh, wow. I'll show it to you, actually. It's solid red, a little bit of black text on it. I think I've seen a picture of it. Almost like no indication of what it is. Obviously, there's no English subtitles or dub. It's amazing that he got that. (laughs) And when you open it, there's like a little acetate, I think, of a bit of animation. Oh, wow, like a cell. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's cool. You have to show me that, definitely. Yeah, I will. And I was like, wow, that's really... What a good present. Yeah, and, and he was so shocked that he actually found something I, I really liked. <laughs> he thought he just bought some random old Yeah, tap. I mean, what are the odds? Like, yeah. out of all the anime I know. in Japan. Was it the cover, do you think, that, that caught his eye? I don't know. It was maybe, solid red. Maybe it was a big release. Maybe, like, if you go into the Japanese version of HMV, yeah. it's like it was at the front or something. Maybe. They just found it. Yeah. But no, it was a good purchase. Yeah, cool. I remember watching it while, uh, uh, while I was still living at home, actually. And, yeah, uh, yeah kind of like, obviously not having the subtitles or anything, but kind of knowing what was going on in anyway, Yeah. So. I remember I, uh, I remember I, uh, we'll, we'll get to 2.22, of course, but I remember I watched it once. I just, of, of an afternoon, I think a Sunday afternoon when I was living at home, and my dad just wandered in about a sort of, I don't know, an eighth into the movie. And he was like, what's this? And I was like, dad, you're not going to get this. Like, I don't expect you to, to sit. He was like, 
no, I'll watch it. And he sat and watched the whole of 2.22 <laughs> with me at the end. And at the end, I just went, because obviously, as we're going to mention, it goes a little bit mental. Yeah. But it is just about cohesive, uh, unless you're expecting it to follow the events of the show. And uh, at the end, I was like, did you enjoy that then? He was like, I didn't understand much of it, but I did kind of enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fair play. There we cool. go. <laughs> I guess uh, when we cross the end of Evangelion Bridge, that's another one entirely, isn't yeah, it? Like another yeah, exactly. kettlefish. Whew. But hey, there we go. There we go. So uh, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yep. I feel going through this again, and uh, I look forward to getting back into the main series. Yeah, because uh, I think we're very nearly at the point where I think Asuka's going to be turning up. Now, I think she? It's yeah. our, if it's not the next episode, it's the one after that. Good stuff, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Cool. So uh, until next time, folks. Uh, we've been Nick and John, and remember, however bad your life may be, you could always be Shinji Akari. We unless it's Evangelion 1.11, and then he's actually kind of a hero. Kind of a hero. We love you, Shinji. I love you, Shinji. Shinji. Cool.